This episode of Bosses for Bosses, a podcast for entrepreneurs, is sponsored by First Steps Financial and is intended for general educational purposes. It's for fun. For specific professional advice, reach out to any one of us. Today, we're talking about protecting company trade secrets. Hi, I'm Elisa McCabe of First Steps Financial. I'm Jason Meyer of Meyer Business Law. I'm Josh Irons of River Avenue Digital. And I'm Aisha Hamilton of the Hamilton Law Firm. We're all bosses. And if you're running a business or a team or running your own career, then you're a boss too. These days, we're all entrepreneurs using our wits and our enduring creativity to stay nimble and to turn whatever we've got into success. Alisa, Josh, and Jason and I all run companies that help other bosses with different aspects of their enterprise because entrepreneurship is our passion. And this is Bosses for Bosses, a podcast for entrepreneurs. So as entrepreneurs, we work hard. We come up with ideas and concepts that we monetize for value. And we build our client lists and we hold that client data to be protected. This could often be client social security numbers, sensitive financial data, or their proprietary information. So today we're going to talk about how to best protect your most valuable asset, your intellectual property, and that of your clients as well. On June 3rd of 2021, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that an employer could not use the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act otherwise known as the CFAA, to seek criminal penalties against an employee who was misusing a company-issued computer. That case involved a police officer who was using this patrol car computer to do license plate searches for a private enterprise that he had, Um, and he was making money off of that. The court found that while his purpose, being for private gain, was not authorized by the police department, his use of the computer was and his ability to do those searches was authorized, so the police department could not seek criminal penalties against him. Of course, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled on this after the officer had already served an 18-month jail sentence. So it's important that you understand, and we'll talk about today, what are the things an employer can and cannot do to protect their own proprietary information as well as that of their clients. So, Elisa... What do you do to protect your client's financial data and your client list? This is such an interesting subject. I am so glad that we're talking about it. So all of our client data is kept in a secure site that is encrypted. And all that information, the only way that it can be shared is through encryption. And we take every measure possible to make sure that that information never goes anywhere except for to our clients and someone that they authorize. And we have policies in-house in place, but again, how do you, you know, I I guess I'm gonna actually toss it back to you, Aisha. How do you make sure that your employees, like this police officer, I mean, he had access to these things and he used it for something else. And if Supreme Court ruled in his favor, how are we supposed to, you know, get our clients, keep our employees from doing these things? So I want to clarify that the Supreme Court ruled on a very narrow issue 
of whether employers are allowed to seek criminal penalties. Oh, yeah. Okay. And so employers can still seek penalties and seek have causes of action against their employees, for example, by using confidentiality agreements mm-hmm. or using non-disclosure agreements and non-compete obligations. But also there's another federal statute which has matching state-level statutes called the Defend Trade Secrets Act. So an employer has to clarify and, you know, before they bring this claim, they're going to have to prove that the information that the employee took was actually proprietary and a trade secret. And then they have to show that the employee disseminated that information for their own private gain and that the employer has actually suffered damages. So it's not an easy threshold for employers to use, but I will say being on both the employer side and the employee side, it is being used as a tool to threaten employees with, if you do this, you will be held liable under the Defend Trade Secrets Act. It is a federal statute, which means now you're you may file a claim against your employer saying, hey, I suffered some kind of employment discrimination. And in response, we're seeing a trend of employers filing a cross-claim or a counterclaim against their employee saying, you stole our data. We're going to hold you responsible under the Defend Trade Secrets Act. So what it really does is it changes the dynamic of what it means to be for an employee to be engaged in litigation. It's a scary tactic, and it's a tool that employers are wielding quite a lot. So Josh, you and your clients probably share and exchange a lot of proprietary information. You need to get proprietary information from your clients to understand what what their marketing needs are and to understand sort of how to best convey their messaging. Do you use non-competes with your employees and confidentiality agreements? We do have confidentiality agreements and non-disclosure agreements. And we just, I mean, part of our culture is honesty, trust, and transparency. And we hire to those and we make sure that the group that we're bringing on board really understands how sensitive this data is. So it becomes especially important when we work with 1099s or freelancers in some situations. And we have to be very careful about who we bring on for what projects, because if we're working with a financial institution or an investment bank or a law firm, even anything that we learn we need to keep it a secret. I mean, I tell I tell my my staff, it's like we could tell you, but we'd have to kill you. It's, yeah. a, it's like a, a CIA type of experience. I think it, it's something that every entrepreneur needs to take seriously, think about because it can destroy or ruin a company if there's data that gets out there and we're the holders of that data. And we have a big responsibility to our clients to make sure that we're uh, sticking to the yeah. plan. I agree. I think that that's really important and it's important to be part of your culture too that we don't talk about this stuff. We were actually just reviewing our handbook. And that was one of the things that we reviewed was this stuff is not to be discussed and not in a social manner either. Even amongst ourselves, it's supposed to be in the vein of this is the work that we're doing. This is what's going on and not for social commentary. So I, I love that yeah. you and you're, you're guarding company data as well as your client's data mm-hmm. as very central to the mission and your purpose. So Jason, you are our company expert. Tell us the things that companies need to be doing 
as Elisa and, and Josh are already doing, but but tell us what we need to be thinking about as entrepreneurs. Well, first of all, listen to all you guys. You guys rock. I mean, you, you, you <laughs> like this is what you should like do a podcast or something <laughs> because this is the attitude you have to take. This stuff is for real and it counts and it's it's super powerful. And there's one fundamental, simple to say, hard to do step that companies should follow to get all these protections. And that is have a written agreement with everybody, employees, vendors, consultants, independent contractors, the janitorial firm that cleans the office, and of course, your employees. And it has to be in writing every single time. And frankly, not just, you know, if it's in your handbook and people have agreed to follow the handbook, gets you there. It's not as strong as having a separate confidentiality and intellectual property agreement with all of these people who come into contact with your valuable information and they actually sign the agreement. That agreement, first of all, needs to be current and update. Don't just go downloading something you found on the internet. Don't pull a copy out of your file of something your buddy Frank used three years ago and now you still have it. There are changes in these laws all the time. For instance, I can tell whether when someone sent, you know, a client sends me a confidentiality agreement to review for them, I can tell whether it was written in the last two or three years. I can tell because it'll have a paragraph in it that says, hey, no matter what, there's certain things you can always reveal, like when the law, you know, when law enforcement is doing an investigation or if this is to protect your employee rights, you know, you may have to testify. If it doesn't have that disclaimer in it, I know it's an old agreement. And I also know it's a weak agreement because those are loopholes through which people escape these agreements. Here's the thing about these trade secrets. Trade secrets and confidentiality are maybe the most powerful form of intellectual property protection because you don't have to split hairs much about like how things were formed and where they got there and how original it was. But it only lasts for as long as you follow the process. As soon as something goes out the door, not in a labeled confidential way, it's not only not confidential to the person who did it that time, it's not confidential, period, to anybody. Like if you come to me and you say, let's say, you know, you go to a former employee, Aisha, well, you'll chime in on this one, I'm sure. But you go to a former employee and say, hey, you, you took with you our customer names and addresses. And, you know, that's our trade secret. In fact, under old law, that is like the most, that's the most trade secret of all company trade secrets is your customer contact information, right? And you say, you've been using that for to start your own business and you shouldn't have done it. And you violated our confidentiality agreement. And now, you know, I'm going to bring the wrath of God down on you. I'm going to enjoin you and you can't form your business and I want damages, right? If the employee can say, yeah, but you know what? There was that time in 2015 where you left it out on the table during a party or you know there's this other employee who you let you know who took that stuff away and you didn't do anything about it so it's not confidential right and look at your confidentiality agreement it only applies to con here's the definition of confidential information that means information not generally known to the public well you know, let this be generally known to the public so guess what i don't have to treat it as confidential that defense works so that's why you need the agreement every single time. But if you do that, it's super powerful. How often should we have these NDAs reviewed? To me, it's like a checkup thing. Have your lawyer look at it every, you know, every year or so when you sit down and you go through strategy and stuff. Maybe just ask the question, hey, when was the last time you looked at my NDA? I will weigh in though. Yeah. You can have it reviewed and have it have the new version executed by new employees. But if you're going to want to go back and have the new version executed by old employees, you need to give them separate consideration 
So if it's executed on the first day of employment, starting the job is enough consideration to support the validity of the agreement. But if they've been in the job and now you're changing the terms and conditions of that contract, you need to give them something else. It doesn't need to be significant. It doesn't have to be anything more than some PTO time. It can be a day extra vacation, that kind of stuff. But your agreement is not valid if the old employee is being asked to sign a second NDA and you didn't give them something in exchange for that. Right. Let's say, so by the way, that means, let's say you decide, hey, you know what? We had a good year this year. I'm going to do, I'm going to do a year-end bonus when I don't, you know, hadn't promised it. And and that's the important part. You hadn't already promised it, right? So I'm going to do a year-end bonus or I'm going to, you know what? Starting this year, I'm going to give Juneteenth off or, or someone's departing and you decide you're going to give them some severance you had not already promised. And that's the key thing. Stick the new agreement in there. Hey, and in exchange... In exchange for this, you know, let's update your agreement. So you're saying if I have, so every year we actually update a lot of things. And so we Mm -hmm. have everybody sign again. You know, these are the changes that we've made in these contracts. You're saying we have to give them something to sign? It may be something you're already planning to give them, but yes. But it depends, depends on the contract. So if you're having them reaffirm the terms of the employee handbook, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you're redoing a training and that's and you're assigning an acknowledgement that I attended the training, I understood the terms of the training, and I agree to abide by it in good faith. That's not what we're talking about. You're talking about restrictive covenants. So oh, I see okay. anything that is going to have them give up some right. So agreeing not to compete, mm-hmm. agreeing not to tell somebody something agreeing not to steal your employees. If it is a new agreement to an existing employee, you got to give them something that they were not otherwise entitled to receive. So you can't say, you absolutely cannot say, in exchange for your next paycheck, I'm going to need you to sign this agreement. Can't do that. Well, you can't uh, say I, it? Are you sure? Are you an employment lawyer? I just learned a lot today. This, uh, and this yeah. is the whole point. So of it. here's the bottom line, if I if I may. Right, this is like super powerful. It like is. Companies and people sign non disclosure agreements and sign NDA like they were candy. It's like, oh, sure, let me sign that. Let me sign this. And suddenly you've got like 50 of them out there, and your employees don't know who you signed them with. And one employee, you know, one salesperson signs one and doesn't tell anybody they signed it. These things are super powerful. They're mm-hmm. really strong agreements. The wording of them really matter. So call your professional. So you're saying, so if I create a new NDA that I have to pay my people to sign it in a way, in a sense, that's what you're saying. In a sense. And it, and there's some, it depends. But you have to give them something they were not otherwise entitled to. Mm-hmm. To make them behave themselves. Yeah, and it's for certain kinds of things. Again, like you could, you know, there are ways you can structure your employee handbook and the way that the way that applies, where you can constantly update your employee handbook, and every update matters, and you're publishing it to somewhere where everyone can get it. It's on, you know, it's on the intranet or it's posted somewhere. You know, there are ways that that kind of stuff matters. But if you if you're talking about really ratcheting up what people are going to be able to do, especially after they leave, okay, then yeah, it's yeah. it's much stronger to have something okay. separate to it. I can see that because it, it is like you're taking away possible future income for them to... Okay, I, I understand that. This is why severance usually comes with an agreement. Right. I'm going to propose that we do a full 
episode on non-competes because this always comes up and we're just scratching the surface this has been great yeah. it's a great idea rapidly changing area and different state to state so make a note oh of my it. god that's true it really is and what if you are like josh and i and you have people who work in different states then then that just becomes even more complex all right this was such an awesome subject i i mean i could talk about this all day but we're going to cut it short now. <laughs> we'll bring this topic back to you and we'll we'll talk about specific restrictive covenants separately because yeah. they could all be fleshed out further. So we will be back with our boss moves of the week right after this message. Hi, I hope you're enjoying Bosses for Bosses. It's Elisa McCabe here, the owner at First Steps Financial. I wanted to let you know a little bit about my company and what services we provide for small business owners just like you. We can help you organize your financials, streamline all your processes using the latest apps and gain insight into your business. Everyone on my team is QuickBooks Online Advanced Certified, which means that we can understand your QuickBooks Online file and can help you make entries, reconciliations, invoicing, and bill paying to help run your business smoother. We also provide cleanup service for your QuickBooks Online file or help you convert from your QuickBooks desktop file. You already have a bookkeeper? No problem. We can provide support as a controller or CFO for you and your bookkeeper. Our goal is to help you achieve success by gaining control over your business and being able to make pivotal decisions quickly because you have really good financial information that you understand. If you'd like to learn more, you can reach out to me, Alisa, at firststepsfinancial.com, or you can go visit our website at firststepsfinancial.com. Alisa, give us your boss move of the week. So my boss move, which may not be a boss move anymore, is we actually have a template of an NDA that we keep on hand and it's accessible to everybody on the team and they can use it with any new clients or anytime. It's just available for members of our team to use with the new client if they happen to talk to them. We've had situations where we have celebrity clients and giving them the NDA gives them a level of comfort. So we make it accessible to everybody on the team. That's great. Josh, what's your boss move of the week? It's setting expectations, setting expectations internally with the team and externally with your clients that this is a very important topic and it's being paid attention to by everybody in the organization from the top to the bottom. And when those expectations are set, it makes conversations in the future a lot easier. Jason, give us your boss move of the week. My boss move of the week when it comes to non-disclosures is change your attitude. These things are they're not a pain. Don't look at them as a pain and don't look at them as lightweight like candy, as I said before. Look at them as a source of business advantage. These things, they are for real. How are you going to use it to protect the stuff that's most important to you? Absolutely customer list, customer contact information, but it could be things like how people are using photos on the job and whether they can use those photos to promote something else or to pass information along. Things like, what is my relationship with third parties who I'm working with that I want to make sure that you know they're not taking advantage of what they can learn from me to go off and make other deals? How are you going to use these non-disclosure agreements to your entrepreneurial advantage? And when you see them as your friend rather than candy or a hassle, you got a leg up. So my boss move of the week yeah. is piggybacking off of Jason. Don't underestimate the importance of these agreements 
even though you think you're a small business. So your client list is how you build your revenue, your intellectual property, your business processes. All of this information can be covered and should be covered by a non-disclosure agreement, confidentiality agreements, and restrictive covenants that you can impose on your employees. So thank you to Elisa, Jason, and Josh. Thank you for being here with us today. And thank you to the audience for joining us. We will have upcoming episodes that will deal with exactly these issues in much more detail. Thanks for listening to Bosses for Bosses, a production of Smart Boss Media. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd like even more to help your business grow. If you have any questions or want to contact any of the folks on this podcast, you can just email us at info at smartboss.media. Also at smartboss.media, you'll find any resources and links that go along with this podcast. And you can find links to other podcasts and resources for entrepreneurs and learn how Smart Boss Media can help you get your business podcast launched and listened to, like this one is. It's your one stop for information to help you listen, create, and thrive as an entrepreneur. Visit smartboss.media.